things I want you guys to think about tonight as we get started, two big things here is if you go back to the story of Abraham, the promise of Abraham, God promises Abraham and Sarah that Sarah is going to have a child, okay? She's going to give birth to a child. Now, this seems pretty impossible to Sarah because Sarah is well up in age. Abraham is well up in there too, probably older than most of your grandparents are. And so Sarah's like, okay, this is not going to happen. Abraham kind of passes it off. But um, God promises Sarah that they're going to have this kid. Again, this happens well before Solomon and Gomorrah and all that. This was like two weeks ago. And then, if you guys also remember, when, when God promised Sarah she was going to have a son, Sarah, after, after trying for a little bit, was like, it's not happening. I'm going to rush things and make things happen my own way. And you guys remember, she took her servant Hagar and like basically was like, hey, Abraham, you, know, you do the thing with Hagar and you'll have a kid, but that would technically be my kid because I kind of helped contribute in this. Very twisted mindset there. But, um, and, so, and so Hagar has this kid. But then if you guys remember, Sarah gets really upset at Hagar. Um, she, she gets really jealous and she's really mean to her and rude to her, basically sends her off and sends her away. And Abraham has to basically come and get her back and, or God basically calls her back and Abraham allows her to come back in. And so two big things to remember as we go through the story today. One, the promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah that they have a kid. And remember in your mind, keep in the back of your mind how Sarah reacted to Hagar having this kid in the first place, okay? So now we're gonna fast forward like 25 years. All right, so Genesis 21, one through six, it says, and the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, this is again, as he had said like years and years prior, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham, now catch this, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. So, first point here is, Abraham's a hundred years old now, okay? At this point, I'm sure he probably in the back of his mind, way back there, buried it, that God made this promise to him that he was going to have a child. But I'm sure after all these years, he's probably kind of forgotten about that promise or thought, oh, it's not going to happen. When he was 100 years old, when it seems absolutely impossible, boom, here comes Isaac, okay? Um, and so the important part to note about this story is... Maybe today he was four, maybe he was... <laughs> he was five. One thing that's important to know about this story, though, is that God fulfilled his promise to, to Abraham. So even though it didn't happen the way Abraham wanted it to necessarily, or necessarily in the right timing that Abraham thought, you know, when Sarah, when God promised Abraham and Sarah to have a kid, I think both of them probably thought, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen in the next two or three years. You know, we're already pretty much too old. You know, it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen at all. But God waits all this time to fulfill the promise. And, and, and there's, a, there's a certain truth to learn about this because the same thing's true in our life today. Sometimes God will promise us, hey, I'm going to use you in a great way, Wyatt, or, you know, Caitlin, I'm going to use you to do something great in the future. And you may think, okay, well, God, let's, let's go. Let's do it right now. But it may be 10, 20 years down the road, and you're like, 
God, why is it taking so long? And a lot of times it's because God, during that time, he wants to build your trust. He wants to build your faith. He wants to make sure you're in the right place spiritually before he starts to use you and bless you. And in addition to that, if Abraham would have had this kid, let's say at 70 years old, it would have been pretty, pretty miraculous. But 100 years old is even more miraculous. And now thousands of years later, people still talk about this. And it brings even more glory to God. And so God knew that that would happen. And so he, he wanted to wait to bring even more glory to himself and, and to really show his, 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 his um, miracle-working power. And point number B is think back to how Sarah, how Sarah um, treated Hagar at first. Remember when, when Hagar first had her son, which is Ishmael, okay? When Hagar first had Ishmael, think back to, again, how Sarah treated, you know, that son, okay? So think about this. And I want you guys to hear this part here. It starts in verse 8. And it says, So the child grew and was weaned. This is talking about Ishmael now. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. Um, so real quick in this story here, Sarah and Sarah's child, Isaac, and then Hagar's child, Ishmael, are playing together, basically. And Ishmael's kind of picking on Isaac and being mean to him. You know, you got to think Ishmael's older, so he's probably bullying him a little bit, putting some dominance over him. And um, Sarah takes great offense to this and gets really ticked off. And instead of just like, you know, approaching Hagar about it and having a conversation with her or talking to Ishmael about it, she, like, she gets so mad that once again, she demands that Hagar be sent off and, and be cast away and, and Ishmael as well because she doesn't want them around her child. So Sarah clearly has some jealousy issues that brew quite often. Uh, and it's pretty interesting when you go through these stories how years ago, you know, Ishmael was born or Ishmael was born, you know, well before Isaac is. Isaac's born and then all of a sudden, you know, they have the same thing happen again. But... God's response is really interesting in this situation because most of us would look at that and say, well, Sarah's clearly in the wrong there. You know, you know, she shouldn't be acting that kind of way. She should approach this better. She should be more respectful, things like that. But instead, God actually allows Abraham to send her away and send her and Ishmael away and actually even encourages in a way Abraham to do this. So we think, well, why would God do that? That's not really fair to Hagar. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'll do some study on this. And there's three kind of reasons why God does this. One is God desires to keep the peace among the people. So he knew that if Hagar and Ishmael lived with Sarah, Abraham, and Isaac, there was going to be constant conflict all throughout their lives, more than likely. Because think about how Sarah acted in these two situations already. As Isaac grows up, if Ishmael gets more treatment than Isaac does, or if Ishmael gets something that Isaac doesn't get, you can just imagine how Sarah's going to constantly react, and it's just going to cause big problems between both of them, and then the family's going to have all kinds of, uh, of issues. So God knew that, was, that, would, that would happen, and it would cause greater division between them, 
So he knew, okay, it's better just to go ahead and separate them. In addition to this, God also promises Abraham that don't worry, as you send Hagar and as you send Ishmael away, I'm going to take care of them. And a few verses later, it shows that God provides water. He provides a place for them. Uh, he does take care of Hagar and Ishmael. And Ishmael becomes a great nation as well, just as God promised. And so that he actually does probably much better on his own with Hagar in a new land where they're away from Sarah and Isaac and they can kind of live their own lives and not worry about that. So it's actually in the way God was doing both of them a favor by separating them and going their own ways. And um, in addition to this, I believe he desired for Abraham and Sarah to also have a strong marriage and be united as they would raise up Isaac. And so Isaac's going to become this great nation that God promised years and years prior. And he knew that if, you know, Sarah and Abraham are always at odds with each other and things like that, it's going to affect the way they raise Isaac. It's going to affect the attention they give to him and the lessons they teach him and growing him up in the right way. It's important to have uh, a good home life as you develop a child and grow up a child. And so God knew that he didn't want that to happen. And so again, these are all reasons why Hagar was sent away, which makes sense. So then you get to the story that, you know, it's like the big finale of, 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 of like all this leading up to the sacrifice of Isaac, or the almost sacrifice of Isaac. This is, where, this is a really cool story. So in Genesis 22, one through two, it says this right here, and this is pretty neat. I'm gonna feed it to you. Alright, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go up to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I should tell you. So after all this time, now important part to note here is it says, after some time had passed. So this has been years and years, okay? So at this point, Isaac's probably about your guys' age. He's older. He's, he's starting to become the man that God's wanting to raise up. And then, so, God, so Abraham and Sarah are probably pretty proud of their son. Just give me a second. They're probably pretty proud of their son. They're probably pretty excited. And then all of a sudden, God tells Abraham, I need you to go up and sacrifice Isaac on this mountain. Now, most of us are going to be like, what in the heck? And if you're like a parent, especially if you love this child and you've had this promise for all these years, you'd be like, I'm not going to do that. that that's crazy. God, why would God ever offer me to do that? But I want you guys to think about this story in a few different ways here. Number one is God did this already knowing that he would never actually kill Isaac. Because think about this. Think about the promise that God made to Abraham. What did he say? I'm going to, I'm going to make Isaac into a great nation. Well, at this point in Isaac's life, he was not a great nation. He was growing up, like I say, he might have been a teenager, and he was starting to become the man God wanted him to be, but he was nowhere near a great nation. And so Abraham knew this, and he knew that God's not going to kill him because if he does that, he's not going to fulfill his promise. So, question. yeah. So why was, uh, um, why was Oh, uh, that's, that's what we're going to get to here about why Isaac was okay with this too. That's a good question. Was it like and some weird fetish, like uh, getting stabbed? It, it was definitely not. <laughs> um, so, so listen to this. Um, I want you guys to, to, to think about something. 
You know, God wanted Abraham to have deeper faith in him. And he wanted Abraham to show Isaac that through faith of, of Abraham going through, through with this, God would provide a sacrificial lamb for him. God, God would eventually provide the way out. But before God provided, Abraham had to step out in faith. And see, this lesson that Isaac would experience, obviously pretty firsthand, he almost gets killed, or at least he might think he's about to, um, is a pretty powerful lesson because he realizes that before God is really going to provide for me and bless me and use me, I have to give myself over to him. I have to be all in on him. I have to fully trust in him. And then all of a sudden, God's going to use me in a great way. And so I want you guys to listen to uh, Genesis 22, 3 through 8. And this will give some more clarification on this. It says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. So think about this. Think about your father doing this to you, okay? He's like putting wood on you. He's about to light you on fire. You're like, what in the freak? Dad's done lost it. He's going crazy. Um, and Isaac kind of freaking out in this moment. But I want you to, to see Abraham's response here. This is the, the power of this story. Abraham looks at him. He says, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? This is what Isaac says. He's like, well, I don't see no lamb. Like, this is getting pretty serious. I'm getting pretty close to death here. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So right there, Abraham has no doubt in his mind that at some point, God's going to provide this, this lamb and not actually sacrifice Isaac. So, so that's why Abraham is so willing to go through with this because he knows that God hasn't fulfilled the promise to make Isaac a great nation. He knows he's not really going to kill Isaac, but he's about to do this so Isaac can see how in some way God's going to provide. Now think about this. Abraham has no idea how, Isaac, how the lamb's going to come, okay? Right, right now they look around and they see no lamb. There's no sacrificial lamb. And so Isaac's like freaking out on this, uh, on this altar thinking, well, this is going to end really bad for me. God's not going to come through. Dad's done lost it. But throughout the entire time, Abraham is like, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm trusting God. I know he's not actually going to kill the son, my son, and somehow it's going to happen. And then Abraham knows as soon as that lamb comes up, whenever it comes up, it's going to be an inspiration to Isaac to show him that if you have complete faith in God, God what? God provides and blesses. And this will jumpstart Isaac into his ministry and into the great nation he becomes. Very interesting story. And so you look here and um, you get this point in uh, verse 9. And it says, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And, the, and he bowed Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So I want you guys to think how scary that would be. Okay, Think about like your dad, like with a knife, a big old knife. I'm like looking at you and you're laying on this altar, you know, fire's about to be lit and you're like, what in the heck? 
All right, that's like the most scariest thing I can ever imagine. Um, but then, catch this. So, as he's, at this point, this is about as close as you can possibly be before Isaac dies and gets sacrificed by his dad. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked around, and what did he see? There behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And then Abraham releases Isaac from the altar, and he sacrifices the ram to God. So I want you guys to just think about that in your life today. God's going to call you to do some things that seem impossible or seem totally irrational, the, white, the reason God calls you to do things like that is because he wants to see, will you step out in that kind of faith? Will you trust me that much? Like he wants to know, he wanted to know, would Abraham really trust him enough to provide a sacrificial lamb? Or, you know, would he, was he about to kill his son? But Abraham trusted God and went through with this. And because of this, all of a sudden, like I said, Isaac sees that God provides when you trust and have faith in him. And, and again, this kind of jump starts Isaac's ministry. That's a pretty neat story when you think about it like that. In addition to this, um, the same is true in our life today. We're going to go through a lot of trials to test our faith. We're going to go through things that seem impossible. There's going to be time in your life you don't understand why God's not bringing you out of something, why God's allowing you to go through something, why you're being picked on and someone else is not, why you, can't, why you don't have these abilities and someone else does. But God gives each one of us different trials in our life because he wants to know during the hard times, are you going to turn to him? During the times where it seems impossible or he's calling you to something crazy or in our minds or seems irrational, will you still trust in him? And if you do, God knows then, hey, I can use that person. And then he'll start using you for something great in the future. And he'll start to bless you. And then all of a sudden, he does bless Abraham and Isaac. They become a great nation. Many descendants come from him, and they fill the land, and they do great things for the kingdom of God. Now, they don't, they're not perfect, but they do a lot of great things. Now, last point here about this is it also parallels to what would eventually happen with Jesus. You know, um, Abraham loved God so much, he was willing to do this and take his son to that point you know, to, to, to honor God and do what God's calling him to do. But obviously God didn't want Abraham to actually sacrifice Isaac. That's wrong. But eventually God, that kind of foreshadows that God would actually send his own son and he would actually sacrifice his son for us because he loved us that much. And think about this. Jesus, while he was on earth, went through a terrible beating, terrible punishment, and really, really bad things. But because he stayed faithful to God, because he trusted in God through all of it, what happened? He died on the cross for our sins, and now countless number of people have a chance of salvation in him because of that. And now God has blessed him with a name above all of their names. He's seated at the right hand of heaven, and he blesses all of his descendants from that uh, if, we, if we turn to Jesus. Same kind of similarity to this story, just kind of parallels. Yeah. What is put on his head? The crown of horns. And the lamb, the ram was stuck in a, 